0: Hi everyone and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for joining our weekly sermon podcast. Today we are closing out our current series, Flying High, with the message titled In Align Life. We hope you guys enjoy the work. Amen. Good morning. How you doing? You guys look great. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church at the Bridge. I am Pastor Jose, I'm the lead pastor here. And hey, We count it a privilege. We are honored. We're humbled. And we thank God that you would provide us the opportunity to share with you the word of God, to challenge you with the word of God, and to point you back to what it's all about. It's about God. We're not here to give you our opinions. We're not here to give you our own ideas. We're not here to command your life. Listen, that's between you and God. The scriptures say that you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and reverence to God. And so today we get the opportunity to bless you. And today I uh, appreciate the fact that I can uh, continue. We can continue upon this series and I can point you back to Jesus through this series that we've been on called Flying High. Flying High. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but God truly does want you to soar in life. God wants you to soar in life. The scriptures say this. That he created you for good works. That he predestined you unto great things. The Bible says that God chose you before the foundations of the earth. But the thing about it is this, that it's something specific. I don't know if you thought about that. Did you ever think about the fact that you were chosen, that you're called, that you were created for something specific? Think about this. You are unique and intricate in your design. There's none like you. Some of you might go, well, what about, uh, what is it, identical twins? You know, there's nothing identical about identical twins. They look identical, but they're uniquely designed. What makes us think that a God that would be so careful and pay so much attention to detail that would create us uniquely, intricately, that he wouldn't have a unique and intricate, specific design for you and I? That's what we've been honing in on. We've been looking at the life of this guy named Nehemiah through the book called Nehemiah in the Bible. It's 13 little chapters. If you've never read it, I want to encourage you to go ahead and check it out for yourself. It will blow your mind away. It will speak to your heart. It will change the direction of your life. But this guy Nehemiah wasn't unlike you and I. You see, we all get stuck in life, and Nehemiah was just like you and me. He found himself stuck in this place called Babylon. Now, the way he got there was unfortunate. See, the people of Israel uh, were uh, taken captive by this empire called Babylon. And when Babylon came, they were like locusts. They destroyed everything and left it destroyed in their wake. And so when they show up to Jerusalem, they destroyed the walls. They, they destroyed the temple of worship. And then they took the people captive, those that they were able to capture. And then there were many Jews that went and, and were dispersed in foreign lands. And so Nehemiah was one of these people that was taken captive in, in, uh, in, into Babylon. But Nehemiah was kind of, it would seem that he had it good. Nehemiah lived in the palace. That means that he lived with the king. And because he lived with the king, he had a very special job. Now, I want to hear, I want to know if any of you would sign up for this job. His job was to taste test anything before the king drank from it. And the reason why was because if it was poison, it was his job to die for the king. How's that for a job? I don't know about you, but I'm not signing up for that one. But this guy Nehemiah was in the palace, and then one day his brother Hanani happens to come and visit him. And Nehemiah asks him about the welfare and the state of the people of Jerusalem. And I'm paraphrasing here, but basically what Hanani says to him is, haven't you heard? Jerusalem is destroyed. The walls are torn down. There's no worship unto God. And what, he, and what Nehemiah hears so burdens him. It so weighs upon him. And what he didn't realize was that at that very point, something was being birthed in his heart. It was a vision from God. The reason why I share that with you as a recap is because if you are going to soar in life, you've got to understand that you've got to take a hold of the specific vision that God has for you. God wants to lead you and guide you specifically somewhere. And so today, I'm not going to recap the the series in totality. I want to encourage you to go to our website at ctbny.com. You can check out the app, SoundCloud, iTunes, all that good stuff. But today, I want to... Hone in on the topic of a, a an aligned life, an aligned life. The reason why Nehemiah and the people eventually come out of this situation. See, what happened was this: that God, God uh, births this vision in Nehemiah to. Go to Jerusalem and raise the walls up to encourage the people to build the temple once again. And so when Nehemiah shows up, he finds walls torn down. He finds the temple torn down. But here's what he also finds. He finds the people torn down. See, they no longer were trusting God. They were seeking pagan gods. As a matter of fact, they settled comfortably into Babylon. You know how we know that? Because the scripture says that they all worked the fields. You know who they were working for? Babylon. And so they were comfortable in rubble. And Nehemiah shows up with this vision. And when Nehemiah gets there, his plan, it might seem at surface level, was simply to build walls and to build the temple but it was really to build the lives of the people. And the way that that all came about, where these people were able to successfully build the walls of Jerusalem in 52 miraculous days, despite the challenges, despite everything that was against them, these people were able to do it. But the reason why was because they got to the most important place. It was a life aligned with God. They were seeking God. They were trusting God. You know, in the world of automobiles, in the world of cars, alignment describes a combination of relative parts that are individually working in union with each other as moving parts to steer in a true and straight fashion the car. I know that sounds like a whole mouthful, right? Um, But let me put it to you this way. When the front end of a car is in alignment, It ensures that the journey is free from being pulled to either side, right? Here's what else it does. It keeps your travel safe. It keeps your wheels from uneven wear and tear. It keeps your gas burning efficiently. Ultimately, it ensures a smooth ride, but here's what it also does. It ensures that you'll be able to get there over time. Now, here's the thing, that when the front end of a car is out of alignment, It means that all the parts engineered and assembled to work together are actually working against each other. I'll tell you why that's bad news. Because if it's not corrected, a misalignment can result in functioning off-center. Hear where I'm going with this. It can lead to difficulty in steering during travel it can lead to premature and unnecessary wear and tear it can lead to the erosion of braking capacity wasteful fuel consumption eventual breakdown now here's a question to ponder like a car if you were a mechanic take off your me hat so step outside of you right and look at your life in the third person and assume the hat of a mechanic and inspect your life. And I want you to answer this question for yourself. Please don't shout nobody out. Please don't be that husband that goes, "I told you you needed to be at church today." Don't be that guy, right? Cuz you still have to live with her. And we all know she runs the house, right? She she she's boss, right? You might be the head, but she makes it happen, right? Anyway, sorry about that. Let's get back to the text. So, Back to the mechanic hat. You got your mechanic hat on and you're examining under the hood of your life. Let me ask you this question. If after inspection, careful inspection, would you be able to credibly say that you are living in alignment with God? It's a tough question. It's a tough question. It's also a good question. Because you see, Like a car, life out of alignment leads to problems. It leads to unwanted results. It leads to places you never thought you'd find yourself in, but you got there. You don't believe me? The next time you go to one of these places to take your car, and they go, oh, yeah, and you need an alignment. Don't do it, by the way. I just want this to be a disclaimer that church at the bridge is not responsible for you making the choice not to get an alignment with your car should you find yourself in unwanted circumstances. Got that on tape, right? Cool. All right, good. Back to the text, right? But you go and you tell them, nah, I don't need an alignment. And watch your car slowly but surely begin to pull one way or the other. Here's the thing. One day, if you're not careful, you're going to find that, oh, it's just a little to the right. It's no big deal. I can manage it. But you let that car continue to go just a little to the right. And while it might not seem like it's pulling very far, you watch it go over the course of time. And when you start it here, before you know it, you'll find yourself crashing somewhere that you never thought you'd be at. You know Why? Because a little pull to the left, a little pull to the right leads to big and destructive results. And this is what happened to the people of Israel until Nehemiah shows up. And so uh, for the people of Israel, they had become accustomed to the pull of their troubles and the beliefs of the people around them. Listen, they were okay with living in rubble. Picture this. You show up at home and your husband says, Honey, the house is wrecked. My hope is that your response will be, "Uh Uh-uh, not this house. Can't live in this rubble. Can't live in this destruction. Can't live in this home. No, 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 no. We have to change some things around. But the people of Israel were okay with the rubble. They were so okay with it that they began to look at the Babylonian people and at the people from uh, Samaria that were also captive there. And they looked all around to their neighbors and they said, I'll worship your God. I'll follow your beliefs. Oh, you know what? We eat amongst rubble. I'll, I'll sit there with you. And they got comfortable in this. The problem with that is this. They were off center. Hey, if you find yourself living life right now with unwanted results... If you find yourself settling for less than what God's word promises, or maybe you don't know what God promises, but you find yourself unsatisfied, unfulfilled. Let me suggest to you, as a matter of fact, let me just flat out say to you, is it possible you're not in alignment with God? You're not in alignment. And so as a result, these people of Israel lived off-center from God's intended purposes. They underwent unnecessary wear and tear. As a matter of fact, they could not stop themselves from the destruction that they continually encountered. They lived in a perpetual state of rubble, hurt, and division among one another. And they were okay with it. You know what the result was? When Nehemiah shows up and he comes with this great vision of God, these people were broken. They were broken. And the thing about it is, they didn't even know it. You ever have a conversation with somebody like that? You go, man, you, do you, are you aware of what you're going through? And like, no, I'm good. I'm great. And they're convinced. You know, any one of us is capable of getting there? You know what the issue is? The heart. What are we believing? We're going to see that in a second. Now what's beautiful about this story is this, that God was unwilling to leave them there. Let me just say this to you. God is unwilling to leave you there, wherever there is for you. Wherever it has been, wherever you might be, wherever you might find yourself at some point, God was unwilling to leave them there. And thus he sent this man, Nehemiah. And he sent them back for one purpose. To focus the people back unto God. To change, to help them in changing the direction of their lives by recentering them upon a relationship with God. I want you to see the beginning of this in Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Starting at verse 1, it says, On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. I don't have time to dig into this, but thank God we're not under the Old Covenant because these people were going through a whole bunch of religious monotony and stuff. And so this was the kind of deal they were doing back then. Thank God we can approach the throne of grace, uh, of God, where we can find grace and mercy, right, for, in our time of need. And so verse 2 says, Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were uh, and read from the book of the law uh, of the Lord, their God, for a quarter of the day. That means six hours. Um, and they spent another quarter in confession and in worshiping the Lord, their God. Standing on the stairs of the Levites were Joshua, Benai, Kadmiel, Shebaniah. Boonie, Sherebiah, Can I encourage you with something? Don't take any of these names and name your kids after them. Right? I mean, hey, if that's your, that, that works for you, that's fine. But they, they don't roll off the tongue so well. Right? And I'm sorry. Let me get back to this. Right? So where were we? Uh, Bonnie and Kadmiel and Shabaniah and Boonie and Sherebiah and Bonnie and Kanani. And they cried out with the Lord's voice to the Lord their God. And the Levites, Joshua, Kadmai, Bani, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Aya, 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 right? And they said, stand up and praise the Lord, your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Watch this. this. This gets real, real interesting right now. It says, blessed be your glorious name and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. Verse 6, you alone are the Lord. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host; host the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. I want you to see What happened here, that at this juncture, when the people of Israel gathered together and they turned to the Lord, the walls are rebuilt, the people are united, the surrounding nations knew that it was God with them. But all this happened because they got back to one place. They aligned their lives with God and they succeeded. They succeeded. You know, isn't it it interesting that it's that easy? Think about the equation. We want to succeed. We want to walk in the blessing of God. We want all the promises of God. Am, am, Am I in the right place? Is that you? Yes? Wave at me, please. Let a brother know that I'm preaching. Okay, good. Good. You want that. But watch that. We all want the result. But the equation to get there is this, align your life, align your belief, align your focus, align your attention with God. It's not that complicated, and yet we have a tendency of complicating it. And I believe that it has something to do with what Proverbs 16.3 says. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do. You know what whatever means there? It's not whatever. It's not that, that's not what he's talking about. It's whatever you do, everything that you do. It says commit to the Lord whatever you do. Watch this. And he will establish your plans. But we struggle with that word commit. You know what that word commit means there in the Hebrew? It means to trust. But watch how the Hebrew language depicts that trust. It literally depicts a commitment while in the process of rolling something down together with someone else. You ever heard the one about the guy who prayed to God and said, God, I need change. God, I need you to do all this in my life. I need you to work it all out. I need you to bring it all together. God, you got to do this. And so God says to him, okay, son. See that boulder over there? He says, yeah. He says, go push it. So he goes over to the boulder, and and God says to him, you keep pushing until something happens. I mean, this guy's pushing all day long. He's pushing and sweating and pushing and grunting and moaning and groaning and complaining and he's pushing and nothing's moving. At the end of the day, he says, all right, God, nothing happened. I need you to go and do this and blah, 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 blah. And God says, son, see that rock over there? He goes, yes. He says, go push on it. So he retires for the day. He goes the next day and he goes back to the rock and he begins to push. (laughs) Oh, this guy looks like the Hulk. He's turning green, pushing. Nothing's happening. And so he goes through this routine day in and day out for weeks, complaining and pushing and sweating and groaning and toiling. Nothing's moving. And he finally gets to a breaking point of frustration when he says, God, I can't do it. I need you. I need you. He shifted from seeking God for the result to seeking God. And God says, you see that rock over there, son? Go push it. And all of a sudden, he begins to push. And he didn't even have to push. He just put his hands on it. And the rock began to move and roll down that hill. I want you to see what commitment really is. What alignment with God is? It's putting your complete trust in God. Not trusting God for what you want. Man. I could stop right there. But I won't. Hey, this preacher got to preach, man. Now let me stop. So, you know, when we align our lives with the power, the plans, and the purposes of God, the immovable begins to move. The impossible becomes possible, and where there was no way, we now see the way. But you see, I want to encourage you to get in alignment with God, because when you do, watch what the Scripture says. Please put that back up on verse 3 Proverbs 16. It says that he will establish your plans. He will pave the way. He will pave the way. You know why he will pave the way? Because it's his plan. And you're aligned with it. Some of you missed that. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. And so, unfortunately, you would think that these people, after seeing God do the miraculous in 52 days, after seeing all their enemies cower, because they, they all knew that God was with them and God had done it in partnership with them in raising the walls and erecting the temple and re- restoring the people in and uniting You would think that the book of Nehemiah in chapter 13 ends on a high note, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Listen to Nehemiah 13, uh, verses 7 and 8. Now, this is... what The, the way the story goes, Nehemiah is governor is appointed governor over Jerusalem for 12 years. There's restoration. The, the walls are erected. The people are worshiping God. And so he, he's called back to go back to the palace. So he goes back to the palace, serving the king. And then he returns back to Jerusalem. And watch what he says in verse 7 when he returns back to, Ju- to Jerusalem. He says, here I learned about the evil thing Eliashab, had done in providing Tobiah a room in the courts of the house of God. Let me break that down for you. Eliashab was the priest in Jerusalem when he returns. Eliashab is the high priest. Tobiah, if you recall from the previous weeks as we've been studying this, Tobiah was one of the people that continually kept speaking against the people of Israel, against this project, against the vision that God had. He was constantly heckling them. He was constantly threatening them. And so watch this. Nehemiah comes back, and here's what he learns. Eliashab, the high priest, the guy who's supposed to be pointing the people back to God, invites Tobiah and says, hey, you can have a place, you could live right here and sit right here in the inner courts of the temple. Verse 8 says that Nehemiah says, I was greatly displeased and I threw all Tobiah's household goods out of the room. I love this guy, man. But I want you to see what happened here these people who had gotten in alignment with God once again embraced their enemies. Once again embraced their enemies. Can I get graphic for a moment? Would you allow me to do that? Not vulgar, but graphic. I want you to think about this. It's like a dog who goes back to its vomit. I want you to sit with that image for a moment. This is what the people of Israel did. You know what's sad? That when we get out of alignment with God, oh, it's it's no big deal. Oh, I'm, I'm covered by God's grace. Yeah, you might be covered by God's grace, but you're still responsible for the choices you make. You know, we will eat the fruit of the words that we speak out of alignment with God's word. We will eat the fruit of the choices we make out of alignment with God's will. We will suffer the consequences. And you know what's sad? That God is right there with us. And sometimes we don't even know it. It's just me and my vomit. Want some? pretty graphic, right? Nehemiah 13, 10, and 11 says, Nehemiah again speaking says, I also learned that the portions assigned to the Levites had not been given to them and that all the Levites and musicians responsible for the service had gone back to their own fields. Watch what happens. These people stopped participating in the kingdom of God. Where once they brought their offerings, where once they served, where once they were excited about the kingdom of God and the gathering of the people of God, all of a sudden now, guess what the Bible says, they went back to their fields. The thing about it is this, they weren't their fields, they belonged to Babylon. Look at what Nehemiah says. Verse 11, he says, So I rebuked the officials and I asked them, Why is the house of God neglected? He says, then I called them together and stationed them at their post. Listen, these people once again turned away from worshiping God. You know, if you won't serve God, you'll serve something else. I'm not serving God, but you're serving something you serving someone you're serving somewhere So these people once again turned away from worshiping God. Nehemiah 13, 15 says, In those days I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys together with wine, grapes, figs, and all other kinds of loads. And they were bringing all this into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. Therefore I warned them against selling food on that day. Now we don't live under the old covenant. We don't live under the law. But at the core of the Sabbath, here's what it was intended to to mean for the people of God in those days. And to this day, it should mean, it should remind us of this in our lives. It was a day where they ceased from putting importance on anything and everything, and they reflected upon the goodness of God, and they were reminded, we depend on God, and we worship God. You know, every day should be a Sabbath for us. With that heart, with that understanding. But unfortunately, what we see is, Nehemiah walks in and he's on the Sabbath, on the day when they were to reflect upon God. They were reflecting on their pockets. They were reflecting on their well-being. They were reflecting on their desires in the temple courts. Get this, they went to the church so that they could get what they wanted. Seeking their own benefit, not seeking anything from God. And Nehemiah 13.27 says, Must we hear now that you too are doing all this terrible wickedness and are being unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women? Get what's happening here. They once again compromised relationship with God for relationship with people. And as a result, the Bible reveals that God's people again entered into utter ruin. Ruin. Why? They were out of alignment. And so for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to leave you with four simple things that you must know to stay aligned. Is that all right? Four things, right? I'll tell you what they are. The first is signs. Signs. We've got to learn to recognize the signs. The second is, how did I get here? We've got to wrestle with this question. We've got to get a, an answer to this question. How did I get here? The third is we've got to get aligned. And the fourth is we have to stay aligned. So speaking of the signs, like a car, there are telltale signs that warn us that we're on a path to misaligned lives. You know how you know when your car is out of alignment, the very first sign you'll see? It begins to pull a little to the left, a little to the right. In other words, you begin to slowly... Pull away. Where once you were excited about God, you were excited about growing in his word, you were excited about worshiping God, you were excited about being amongst his people, now all of a sudden you begin to slowly pull away. Here's what it sounds like. Oh, I'm busy. Oh, I just just got too much going on. Oh, you know, I, I just, I just, I just, I'm, I'm doing all these other things. You know what else it sounds like? I'm still reading my Bible. I'm still praying. You know what Jesus said? Jesus, speaking of the Pharisees, said, Listen, these people do what they say, but don't do what they do. Speaking of the Pharisees, The Pharisees, he says, because they tell you what's right to do, but they themselves don't do it. Begin to slowly pull away. You know what else is one of those signs? You work against the body instead of with the body. Instead of growing with people, you resist people in the body of Christ, in the church. You fight the need to be in relationship with others on the journey of faith. You retreat from attending church. And you know what? This this is what we do here. This is for show, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we do so people see it. But you know what we do in private is the real deal. It's the real deal. And so, listen, here's a question to consider. Are you truly seeking God? Not just when we're here. I could tell you, I look, I was professional church faker. You could call it that. Oh, man, I grew up, we we raised our hands, we shouted, we jumped, we beat on tambourines, we danced, we shimmied, we shaked, we did all that stuff. But you know it's the proof of the power of God in your life? Change. Transformation. Renewal of the mind. Another sign is that life becomes about repetition instead of a relationship with God. Look, if we're not careful, we can become creatures of habit. Let me correct that. We are creatures of habit. We like habit. We begin to function like a gear in a car that day in and day out performs the same function while grinding against the plan of God. Instead of flowing with it. Listen, relationship with God is meant to evolve. It's meant to to change us. It's meant to grow us. It's meant to propel us forward. Don't limit it by what you do out of habit. Again, here's what it sounds like. I read my Bible every day. I go to church every Sunday. I go to First Wednesday. I serve at my church. I even serve in the community. You know what? The problem is with that, the central focus of that is I. And you know what doesn't exist in a relationship with God in we? There's no I in we. There's no I in us. There's only Christ. Another sign that you're going out of alignment is this that your ability to stop yourself from danger diminishes and you crash often. A misaligned life will eventually lead you to the inability to stop yourself from compromise and error. It's okay. God loves me. You know, I had a guy say to me once, this was years ago when we first started the church, he says, you know, Pastor... I'm leaving my wife. I'm leaving my kids. I'm leaving them all. And I'm going with another woman. And I looked at him and I listened. And he says, but here's the one thing that I'll never forget. He says, I have God's grace. And I said, brother, you have God's grace. But you also have a world of hurt coming your way. So this day. You know that man is? In a tailspin of error. Mad at God, mad at people. But you know what the truth is? We make choices. But when you're out of alignment with God, you know what's easy to do? Make the wrong choice. You know why? Because you can't stop yourself. You know why? Because you can't hear God. You're not open to the direction, the truth. It feels good. It looks good. It sounds good. It tastes good. But it's not God. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 12, 24 through 26. I I shared this last week. I want to reiterate this again. He says, very truly I tell you. Let me translate that for you. This is the truth. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. He's not telling us to hate our lives. What he's saying is, if you love your life, your desires, your path, more than you love the path of God, it's a problem. So watch what he goes on to say in verse 26. Whoever serves me, what a concept, must follow me. And where I am, it gets even better. My servant also will be there. My father will honor the one who serves me. Listen, like a seed, you and I, there is a vibrant life that God has deposited in us. It provides us vision, it is full of purpose, and it contains the details for a fruitful life. But watch what kills the seed. You and I. Get this. You, 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 you want to you see the power of truth here? Jesus is talking about his own death and resurrection. But there's a valuable principle there. He says in order for something to live, to spring forth, to bring life, something's got to die. But watch this. God wants to produce life in and through us. He's got a vision for your life and mind. He's calling us out. He's inviting us. He's drawing us. But watch what we can do. We can limit the hand of God. You know how? By choosing what we want instead of choosing what God says. Mm. To see the vision that God has for our lives, the old manner of life, the old path of life, the misaligned life must die. It must die. And so, as you align yourself with God, you'll find that you slowly die to old desires and vices. And what you want becomes what God wants. And what you'll find is that you succeed, that you grow that you walk in the blessing of God. And so we have to be honest with this question. How did I get here? How did I get here? A car becomes misaligned by constant exposure to potholes and bumps and taking turns too fast, which place undue stress on wheels. It causes excessive wear. Isn't it true that we too come upon potholes and bumps? And isn't it isn't true that sometimes we make some rash decisions? <coughs> Right, and we live life on the whim, oh, you don't understand i just I just live you know by by you know just just on the whim i just I just take life as it comes. well, that's not the way we were called to live life. We were called to commandeer life in partnership with God, not to live life reactively to the circumstances of life, and so. I get it that there are bumps and there are potholes that we hit in life that we really didn't expect. That happens. Jesus said in this life, you will have tribulation. It will happen. But the truth is this, that for the most part, we foresee the bumps and the potholes in life. We see them coming. The truth is that they're avoidable. But the question is, do we avoid them? Do we make the right adjustments? It really comes down to how we prepare and respond to things. Listen closely to Ephesians 6, 10, 11, and verses 14 and 17. It says, finally. Great, the preacher's almost done. We can go to Denny's. Have fun with that. Have at that. I said Ephesians 6, 10 says finally. (laughs) I'm almost done. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Let me translate that for you. Get battle ready. Get battle ready. Get ready for battle. Verse 14. This is what being ready for battle looks like. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know what's interesting about soldiers? The most effective ones are the ones that are suited for battle. Not the ones that wait till the battle happens to then get suited. Let me tell you something about how did I get here. Oftentimes, what we do is we approach God after we've already been hit. And the scripture says, no, 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 no. no! You put up your shield of faith. Instead of sheathing the word of God, tucking it in, right? So it looks nice and good, right? Dun, 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 dun! Jesus Jr. is here, Right? <laughs> Instead of sheathing the word of God and wearing it like a badge because I carry my Bible, I'm a Christian. No, the scripture says you take your sword, which is the word of God. And with that word, you know what you do? You approach every lie that tries to seize upon your heart every day. You advance every day. You cut a path forward with the word of God. But you see, that takes being battle ready. We have to live battle ready. And so if you're asking yourself, how did I get to this place where I can't even hear God? I don't even have vision for my life. Is it possible that the reason you got there was because you never put on your armor? Oftentimes, we find ourselves in a reactive state to the bumps of life instead of living in a proactive state of faith. Your faith is the most effective thing that you can do, that you can employ in your life, but it's not after you've been hit. Now, thank God that we serve a God that says that we can boldly approach His throne and that there's always grace and mercy for our time of need. Thank God for that. But we're called to live aligned with God. And aligned means battle ready. Battle ready, prepared for the bumps instead of reacting to the bumps. Get aligned. You know, unlike many failed relationships that we've all experienced, when we are misaligned, God remains faithful to help us find a way back to a straight path. But to get there, we need insight. We need guidance and we need help from God. And to gain that, listen closely, we have to open ourselves to God. In Psalm 139, if you read it on your own time, what you'll find is that David says, God, you know all things, you're the creator of all these things, and you know me. But because David knows that, watch what David says in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. He says, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Listen to what we learn from David. Think about this. When a car is misaligned, no one cares how it got misaligned. We're not interested in that. We just want a quick fix. But here's what we learn from David. David. By his example. That God is interested in more than a superficial fix. You know what we see? That God is interested in revealing where we believe wrong. And realigning our lives as we yield to the ways of his leading. I'm going to make a statement that might challenge your thinking. Good, I'm glad it will. But I want you to think about this. That God doesn't want to change your behavior God wants to change your belief I'm going to tell you why because that's the steering wheel of life The Bible says above all things guard your heart because of out of it flow the issues of life The scriptures say this that with the heart We believe, and with the mouth we confess that Jesus is Lord. But get this, David says, God, you see what I don't even see in my heart. You know what I don't know that's causing these anxious thoughts. Lord, you know me completely, wholly, and fully. You know every nook and cranny of me. And he says, so God, go there. Go there. Go there. In that place of belief, God, go there. Because, Lord, what I'm believing isn't working and the the proof of it is the results I'm getting. So God, search me. You know my heart. God, show me. Listen, an open heart leads to an open path for life. I really believe that God's saying to someone here today, open your heart. Because I stand at the door and I knock. Let me in. And I will dine with you and you will dine with me. Open your heart to me. Let me show you what the truth is. That you're called to believe in. And the last point, a key to staying, to living an aligned life is this. It's staying aligned. You know, just like we have a regularly scheduled maintenance for our cars, I pray you're not that person who waits till the engine light goes off. There's a whole lot more going on than what the engine light is telling you at that point. But like a car that should regularly have scheduled maintenance, our lives should have regularly scheduled time, attention, devotion, and care to a personal relationship with God. Some people pay attention to their vehicles when there's evidence of a problem. But a wise car owner knows this, that to prevent the problems... You should service the car regularly. You know what I love about Nehemiah 9, which we were reading earlier? It says that the people gathered together and they all went before the Lord. And get this, for six hours, six hours, they reflected upon how did we get here? And we got to get out of here. And then for another six hours, another quarter of the day, you know what they did? They looked to God, they praised, and they worship Him. But you don't, you, you don't understand my work schedule. You don't understand my life. You don't understand... My kids, you don't understand. My problems, you don't understand. My needs, you don't understand. All these things. No, 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 no. Let me remind you, according to something that Pastor Nett was saying earlier, that's found in the Gospels. When Jesus spoke to Martha, she goes, Jesus, tell my sister to help me. I got all that. I got to get all these things together. And Jesus says, baby, sweetheart. No, actually what he says is this. Martha. Martha, in other words, you're not listening. He says, Martha, you're weary. You're burdened. You're overwhelmed. He says, but look at your sister, Mary. Watch this. She's chosen the one thing. Just one thing. Just one Jesus. A life aligned with God. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the solution to all life's cares. I want to encourage you. I said all, not some, all. All your cares, all your worries, all your concerns, a life aligned with Christ Jesus. I leave you with this. That a relationship with God will improve the longevity and distance that you go in life. In John chapter 6, all these people come seeking Jesus and they go, hey Jesus, we're looking for you. And he says, no, you're not looking for me. You're asking for bread, but You're not seeking the true bread. You just want me to give you some bread because you saw the cool stuff I did with the bread before. John 6.35 says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me. You know what that means? Everyone qualifies. He says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty ladies and gentlemen all that we long for and all that we need can be found in one place a personal and aligned relationship with god i leave you with a question that we started with as we stand here today. Today, you know, we've all had the opportunity to look under the hood. Come on, we can get up. We've all looked under the hood. We've all reflected. But there's something left that we need to do. The people saw where they were. They saw their error. But then you know what they did? They turned from it and they turned to God. And they worshiped. I know some of you, you you think that what that means right now is that we're going to play some music, we're going to sing some... That's not worship. You know what worship is? Worship is a response to who God is. Worship is our active response to who God reveals himself to be in our lives. And I dare say today that we must consider the truth, and we should turn to God. Right there where you are, you can raise your hands, you can begin to talk to God, you can begin to quiet yourself, forget about who's around you. Ladies and gentlemen, God's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. He's up close and personal, and he's saying, get a line. And if you're already there, well, praise God. But remember this, we all hit bumps. We all have to make sudden turns sometimes. We all endure wear and tear. But Jesus says, just follow me. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Get this about Jesus. Oh, that's something that we're so busy with. That's something that's so important. Jesus says, apart from me, you know what it is? Nothing. He calls it nothing because it adds no value to our lives. Father, today we lift our hearts. Like David, Lord, Lord, you know our hearts. You know our our anxieties. You know our thoughts. You see and know what we believe in our hearts. Father, today we open ourselves to you and we say, search me, oh God. Come on, you can say that to God right now. Search me, God. Search me, God. God, go there in my heart. God, speak to me right there, God. Invade that that crowded space right there, God. God. Right now, right here. Don't miss this moment, God. It's you and me. Search me. And deposit your truth into my heart. I want you to know that if you've prayed that, if you're saying that to God right now, if you're opening yourself to God right now, God is speaking to you. He's opening your heart. He's creating something anew. You're discovering the new thing that He's done in you. It's very possible that maybe just maybe there's someone here today. Maybe you're not here. You're watching online and you're thinking, man, you know, I've I've, I've been crashing. I've, I've been pulling to the left and to the right. I've been feeling overwhelmed and You never realized that what it was is you've been out of alignment the whole time and you weren't created for where you've been. You've been created to be centered upon a relationship with God. Today you see a need for God. Listen, we all need God. And so today we want to join in with you and we just want to pray this prayer of heartfelt belief. Here's what it's based on, recognizing that you and I, we can't do it. We can't secure our own salvation. We can't add anything to make ourselves right with God. There's only one thing we can do that's respond to who Jesus is and what he's done. And what did he do? He saw our sin and he came in the form of a man and died the death of a sinner to pay the price for sin so that you and I wouldn't have to pay for it. You know what that means? There's no receipt attached to what God has done. You don't owe God anything, but we do owe God the honor and privilege to respond to the price paid and say, price paid for me. If you believe that today and you see a need for God, I want want to encourage you to join us in this prayer. Let's pray this together in support of one another. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me because you love me. Today I declare that you're my Lord and Savior, and I call you my God. And from this day forward, I'm trusting you. I'm seeking after you. I'm following you, and I thank you because I'm flying high. Come on now, if you pray that in faith and you're putting your trust in God, we celebrate what Jesus has done in your life. Don't leave here without sharing with someone what God has done in you. We want to walk alongside you on this journey. Now, Father, we rejoice in Jesus. We align ourselves with you. And we thank you, Father, for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you again next Sunday.